Jonathan Wakefield is a brewmaster and founder of Miami's renowned Jay Wakefield Brewing. Now he's opening up his internationally acclaimed tap room at Sirius XM Business Radio for an intimate look at the intersection of craft beer and popular culture. So pull up a chair, have a round on us, and join the conversation on the business of brewing. This is the Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield on Sirius XM Business Radio. Hi, I'm Jonathan Wakefield, and this is the Beer Hour on Sirius XM Business Radio 132. Each week, we introduce you to the movers and shakers of the craft beer business and other interesting professions. I'm here in the tap room with my co-host, Maria Cabre. Hello, Maria. Hola, John. Who's our first guest this week? Our only guest this week is the co-founder and head brewer of the Vale Brewing Company in Richmond, Virginia. Before opening the Vale in 2016, he built an extraordinary resume that includes Portsmouth Brewery in New Hampshire, The Alchemist, and Hill Farmstead in Vermont, and even an internship at Brasserie Cantillon in Anderlecht, Belgium. Not bad for a guy who never even thought about becoming a brewer up until about a decade ago. Welcome to the Beer Hour, Matt Tarpey. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. It's a pleasure to have you Thanks on the show, me. finally. <laughs> That's a little lacking on our end, but it's, uh, it is good to finally have you on, man. So, in one article I read, you were described as Chesapeake-born. Where exactly did you grow up? So, I was born and raised in Rhode Island, um, and I moved to Chesapeake, Virginia, which is southeastern, uh, the southeastern portion of Virginia, uh, when I was 12. Um, then I spent most of my life uh, in Chesapeake, um, and Norfolk. And then I moved up to new England in 2011 when I was like, I think I was like 27 or something like that. Um, and, uh, moved up there to start working in breweries up in new England and then found my way back down to Virginia, um, in to Richmond in 2015. So yes, I've spent most of my life in Virginia, but I was born in Rhode Island technically. Oh, okay. So you were a touring musician for a while. We've actually had a few musicians turn brewers, including Matt Garcia from Homage in L.A. on the show. At, at what point did you decide that you were ready for a career change, basically? Yeah, so um, it was around that time. Um, I think it was like 2008 or nine when I realized that the band thing just wasn't working out anymore. Um, and um, I was just working my my transient construction job so uh, i heard there was a brewery that opened up down the street from the construction company that i was at and i um i I was like oh that's cool and then simultaneously i had a buddy of mine who went to korea to teach english and when he came back he got really into home brewing and uh, he started home brewing he ended up volunteering at a local brewery and then they hired him to just be an assistant brewer and uh, he was telling me a story and i was like you can just volunteer at a brewery. I, oh, wow. I didn't know that was like a thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this was uh, 2009 or 2000, uh, 2010. Right. Um, I was just like, I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> you know? So uh, I found out about this brewery and I will just walk down there and I was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm just seeing if you needed a set of hands. And uh, they were like, nah, we're good. And Jeez. I was like, all right, so, sounds good. <laughs> well, I'm going to come back next week and ask you again. And they, and I did that for like six weeks or so. And then, and they kept telling me, no, we're good. We don't need your help. We're good. And then, uh, after a while they're like, all right, fine. You can help. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. And then they were like, you got to be here at 5am to help us mash in. Oh, damn. And, uh, I, 
I live like 30 minutes away from where the brewery was. And I'm also not a morning person. Oh, so I was just like, okay, here we go. Let's do it. I'm going to commit to this. So nice. I fortunately was able to do that. And, um, I, so I would volunteer 5am to 7am. Then I'd go to my construction job down the street, oh, seven damn. to four. Then I go back to the brewery and I'd work four to seven thirty. Wow. And I did that, uh, Monday through Friday, um, for six months until they were like, just quit your job and you will have give you a job here and pay you the same. <laughs> so was so that, that, was, was that's that how I got in there? Was that O'Connor brewing? That was O'Connor brewing. Nice. Yep. That's nice. kind of how it was when I met John and yeah. he hadn't opened the brewery yet. And right. I had a full-time job as a concierge at a very uh, iconic hotel here in Miami beach. So I go to John's house, like at eight or nine in the morning, work until three and then go to work yep. from three to eleven, and I I did that for like six months. Yeah. And then you finally quit the uh, other job and went full time at the brewery. Well, yeah, we opened. <laughs> so That's I mean, awesome. I mean, so one of the things that makes you unique among craft beer brewers is that you never homebrewed, man. Like, did you find yeah. that to be a disadvantage for you, or was that actually something that you think was a good starting point for you in the industry, not really having had that background and kind of just jumping in commercial side? Yeah, so um, I think it had its advantages as well as disadvantages. Um, I think in retrospect, again, I still never homebrewed. I've like helped out on a few homebrew systems here and there throughout my career, but they're mostly like pilot systems at breweries and stuff like that. But uh, when I, when I was starting to work at O'Connor, the former head brewer there, his name was Chris O'Connor. He, he asked me, you know, are you a home brewer? And I was like, no, I've never homebrewed in my life. And he said, good. And I, I was like, why is that good? <laughs> Everyone else here is a home brewer, the other vol- like volunteers, right? right? And uh, he was like, well, I don't have to break you from your bad habits as a homebrewer. Ah, <laughs> ah yes, <laughs> so, very uh, true. Yep. So uh, I can just show you the ropes and show you how it needs to be done right the, on a commercial setting with large, larger equipment, and it'll be a lot easier for me. Um, so I, I took that to heart, but it was a little stifling because when I started in that commercial setting, we, I was working at, uh, O'Connor and at that time they were making five beers a year, um, and only using Chico yeast and the recipes were very basic. Um, so, you know, it was a, a golden ale, a red ale, a pale ale, a black IPA, and then they, um, were making an Irish stout, a dry Irish stout. And then just at the end that I left, they introduced an actual IPA. Um, So those are the only recipes that they had. So I was stifled myself that I wasn't learning. I wasn't growing. Right. Um, So I started doing weird stuff there. Like I've always just been like a weird person (laughs) (laughs) when it comes to like culinary things and flavors. And, you know, I just like a very Willy Wonka vibe with my mindset, you know, so I was like, I want to try different things, you know? So, uh, they had these pins and, um, they would always try to fill them every once in a while, not as frequently as, uh, I had wanted them to. So I would just take the pins and I would do weird stuff with them. You know, I would like stuff them, like take like a, um, the pale ale. And then I just put like a bunch of smoked bacon in the, in the pin and then fill it up, you know? And then I would, there was one time I, I filled the pin. I just straight up dumped two monster energy drinks into a pit, into an empty bin and then filled it up with IPA. 
uh, that one, uh, that was a, that was a lesson learned in refermentation oh, where that all the sugars, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere all over the brewery. And then I had to clean it. Oh, um, damn. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I always, that was my mindset. I just wanted to learn and see what happened. Right. You know, I was more of an experimental guy than I was by the book. Like yeah. this, this is how it should be. So I know you went there and then John Kimmich from the alchemist in Vermont, you know, Hetty Topper uh, legend, hired you as a shift brewer. And yep. then in 2013, you were granted a short internship by none other than, you know, Cantillon in, in Brussels, Belgium. How did that come about? How, how did you get into that? And what was that learning experience like at Cantillon? Yeah, that was pretty wild. So um, I was uh, working at Portsmouth Brewery. This is 2012. And um, I was, uh, I had heard that the Shelton brothers were putting on the festival, the, the first annual uh, iteration of it. Right. So this was in Worcester, Massachusetts, not too far from uh, Armsby Abbey there. Right. And um, so there was going to be this very amazing, cool thing where they were going to invite brewers from all over the world to pour their beer. So, you know, craft beer fans, brewers, everyone in the States could meet these brewers that lived all over the world, you know, Canada, you know, Belgium, you know, Italy, France, everywhere um, that you might not be able to get the opportunity to do so. So that was pretty amazing. And I was like a huge Cantillon not at that time and really into Lambic and wild beer. And again, I didn't really have any experience in wild beer at all because the, the extent of wild beer that I experienced that I had was working at Portsmouth Brewery and it was just, Todd doing partial sour mashes for Gozes. Right. Um, so we never really, he would never touch the stuff and never introduce that stuff, like, back, you know, Brett Anamices, any of that kind of stuff into the brewery space. Uh, Smutty Nose, which is Portsmouth Brewery's sister brewery, had a little bit of a wild program, um, but that's kind of where, where it ended, and I never really got to be involved with it. So and I heard this festival was going on, I was like, oh, man, I got to go, and I want to just, like, meet Jean. And um, I was broke. I had no money. I couldn't even afford a ticket to go to the festival. Okay. Um, and uh, I was, like, super bummed. And then, But I was a huge beer advocate right. member and uh, active beer trader. And um, so I, knowed, I saw on Beer Advocate that there was an opportunity to volunteer at the festival. And you'd be, you just work at the festival, you get a shirt and then you get a taster glass and you can taste the beer too. So uh, me and a buddy of mine went up there and um, we went to the festival and he was actually uh, doing his um, residency. He was becoming a doctor. He was a friend from Virginia that was actually in uh, Massachusetts doing his residency. Wow. So um, that was kind of cool. But uh, so we went to the festival together. He volunteered too because he was super broke. <laughs> he didn't get, right. he doesn't have the doctor money yet. Right. So uh, so he, so we went to the festival with volunteers, and uh, so we got there early and looking around, kind of getting our bearings of the space before the the pre event or pre festival meeting that they were going to have with all the volunteers. And I look over, and Jean's standing right there, and he's talking to some, to some guy. Um, and he is just giving him the business, you know, oh, he's boy. just like, 
full on like beer geeking on Jean and you can tell Jean is just like, he's being so kind about it, you know, but he, you could tell he's like, <laughs> get, he's getting the business. You know oh, what I mean? Boy. Oh boy. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of stood off as a di- at, at a distance and then I waited for that uh, person to, to leave. And then I swooped in and introduced myself and I told Jean, you know, hello, my name is Matt. I'm a young brewer here in the States and I am a huge Lambic fan and I really want to learn more about Lambic. But unfortunately in America, there's not a lot of opportunities here. At that time, there was maybe six or so commercial breweries that even had a cool ship right. and was experimenting with spontaneous fermentation. Allagash, uh, Lost Abbey, maybe, um, Russian River, yeah. a it, few others. I mean, there was, only, there was only a handful back then, man. Not many. Exactly. Exactly. And they were all bigger breweries that they're not just going to let little old me come right. in and like, can I shadow you guys for a couple <laughs> weeks? You know <laughs> what I mean? So I was like, I had no opportunity to learn about Lambic spontaneous fermentation right. in America. So John's standing right there. So I asked him, I was like, Hey, do you, how do you, or, um, I'm really interested in Lambic. I want to learn more about it. If I were to come over there, um, could I just shadow you and ask you questions? Uh, you know, I'll do whatever I can help with, whatever I can take the trash out, scrub the floors, whatever you need. I just want to be able to ask questions and have true experience with Lambic because it's truly my favorite type of beer. And, uh, especially at that time. And, uh, he looked at me kind of funny. And then he said, well, if you come over, uh, I will accept you as, as an apprentice. And he goes, I can't pay you though. I was like, I don't need to be paid. Oh. Like, I'm not looking to get paid. Oh. You know? And he was like, but we can open some very special bottles. I was like, I don't even need that, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I was like, I, I literally just want to come and just help. And he goes, well, if you come over, then you can come and help them. Oh, and I was wow. like, all right, sounds good. Can I have your contact? And then he gave me the most generic email ever, you know, Jean at be or whatever it was. Right. And I was like, I wonder how many times he's given this email out at this event, <laughs> you know, like, and if he's going to remember, you know, my stupid self. So uh, I ended up emailing, you know, I played it cool, waited a week or so, and then I emailed him. And uh, he actually emailed me like right back. And he was like, I met, he was like, Matt, I've met thousands and thousands of people on this last trip. Um, and out of all of them, I, I remember you distinctly. And if you come over, you can be my guest. Oh, wow. Um, so that was in the summer of 2012. So I booked a, a plan to go over to 2003, uh, January, 2013 for my first apprenticeship with Jean. Um, so when I was there, uh, I was supposed to do two weeks with Jean and one week with, uh, Urbane, um, Ooh, at yes. Detroit. Yeah. Uh, so I had met Urbane there too, but I got a connection with Todd. Todd was told Urbane to, that I was going to be coming to say hey to him. And then when I did, I just was like, hey, I might come over to Belgium. You think I could work with you for a week? And he was like, yeah, yeah, come on. You stay with me on the on the farm. Because uh, he had like an ostrich farm or something at the time. <laughs> he was like, you know, stay with me stay with me on the farm and we'll go brew at the church. Oh, man. They had like a big church brewery or something. Yep. A school. A school. Um, so he was like, uh, so I, I said, okay, so, I, um, flashback or actually just, this is kind of, uh, and some sharp, uh, tell me to stop if I'm being too long winded here. Um, but, uh, yeah, so chronologically I was, uh, shortly after that happened, I was at Portsmouth brewery one day and Todd said, Hey, I want to talk to you. 
And uh, so we went and sat in the basement by ourselves uh, in the brewery cellar. And uh, he started tearing up. And I was like, is everything okay? And he was like, yeah, um, I just want to let you know that I'm leaving Portsmouth Brewery. I'm going to start my own brewery. That I had just moved my life up there less than a year ago to work and study with this guy. Wow. You know? And I was like, are you kidding me? And he was like, no. And he was like, I'm leaving. And I was like, he's like, but I want you to work for me. I want you to be my, my guy. And I was like, okay, um, where are you at in the process? Like, is this thing going to open in a few weeks? He's like, well, I haven't even started. Oh. And I was like, okay. So we're talking a couple of years out here, you know? And he was like, yeah, hopefully a year. And I was like, yeah, right. We'll see. You know? So I started thinking, okay, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of Portsmouth Brewery. So, um, I actually was starting to apply to a job. I had an interview with Allagash. They didn't hire me. Dang it. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I, I told I've told Jason that before. I was like, remember when you interviewed me and you didn't, you didn't hire, hire me. me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, Anyway, so it was funny. Um, and then we had this, uh, right before Todd told me this, we had done a collaboration with John Kimmick. And uh, he was telling me all about the, uh, it was a beer called Squidgy Black. So it was uh, imperial, it was basically like an imperial milk porter that was um, imperial milk porter, but basically hopped like heavy topper. Um, so it was kind of an interesting relationship that uh, Todd had. So uh, Todd in Portsmouth Brewery was one of the only non-Vermont brewers that was able to pour at the Vermont Brewers Festival for years. Interesting. Um, so, and the the um, the the premise of that year's festival was collaboration. You know, everybody's right. collaborating. Right. Two thousand twelve. You know. Of course. Yeah, it was big <laughs> so, back then. Yeah. Yeah. So they made the squidgy black and poured it at the Vermont Festival, the Vermont Brewers Festival. So I'd met Todd or uh, John and John was like, uh, he had heard that I was going to Canteon. He was like, that's amazing. And he was like, you know, text me and tell me how it went or something. And I, I think that's how I acquired his number. So then when things weren't going right with the Allagash thing, I was really excited. I wanted to do work at Allagash because I was into, uh, you know, spontaneous fermentation and that didn't work. So I was like, what next? What do I do now? So I had heard through the grapevine that John was opening, uh, I'd known that John was opening his cannery to start brewing Heddy Topper uh, in production side. And then um, I had heard that one of his brewers quit because he, he was going to have three shift brewers. Um, so I reached out to him immediately and I was like, hey, are you looking for a brewer? And he was like, yeah, actually, uh, do you want to come and interview? So I went and interviewed with him and then um, Got the full tour. I interviewed with him, and at the end, I he he was like, I was like, so you know, if you decide to hire me, and then he's like, oh, you're you're already hired. You're, this isn't really an interview, <laughs> even though I said it's an interview. It's not really an interview. You're you're hired. I'm right. just showing you where you're gonna work. Oh, and Jesus. I was like, okay, cool. So I got that job. But then, uh, yeah. So flashback to January or flash forward to January 2013, um, and I was about to take off to go to Cantillon, and John was just about to start ramping up the Heady Topper uh, brewing. So when I came on, I came on a little early, and I was helping install tanks. I was, uh, you know, setting tanks in place. I was running glycol lines. I was uh, doing all sorts of things. And then, um, so right before I left, John was like, "Hey, I." I can't have you be out, be gone oh, for three geez. weeks. So he was like, so you got to do chick, pick and choose what you want to do, but I can only let you go for two. 
And then I was like, all right, sounds good. So my choice was the Kentium. So I, I turned Destroyce away. And um, so I changed my ticket, whatever. I went, so then now I went over, now I'm over to Kention and I had never been out of the country. It was the first time I'd been out of the country anywhere. Wow. Um, and so that was a little bit of an awesome culture shock for me, you know, just seeing something other than America. Well, besides Canada, right. those of course. few tour dates in Canada, um, which isn't really a visit. We're not really visiting properly, <laughs> but uh, no. yeah, so no. it's, it's in and out and you're eating McDonald's. And then exactly. Eat, you know what I mean? But uh, anyway, so I get there and it's really amazing. You know, I've got this cheap hotel, walked every day to, to uh, the brewery. And when I was there, it was only Jean. Jean was the only brewer. And um, there was uh, three other people that worked with him um, in production. Uh, there was this young kid, Max, who was an apprentice like me. Uh, I forgot what country he was from, but he was from a different country. He was like from like uh, South America or something. There was uh, another young uh, guy named Manu. Uh, and Manu was Jean's like kind of like direct assistant brewer. And then there was this other guy who I forgot his name, but literally the week before I got there, he was, he was, uh, rolling, uh, punch-ins around by himself, slammed and broke his thumb. Oh, damn. And then he, and then he couldn't work for a few, he had to take a few weeks off. So they were like, actually, we're really excited that you're here because we need an extra set of hands. Oh, um, so, so I worked real hard that one that 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 ate apprenticeship you know we were stacking we were stacking punch-ins three high by hand really um we were Jesus. Yeah, we were we were you know graining you know mashing out with the shovel getting in the hot mash tun you know mashing out with the shovel thousands of pounds of, of turbid wow. mashed grain so it's like cement yeah and you're just like you got to climb in there and then they're they're just like oh yeah take your shirt off it's too hot you know so you're like, and there's no shirt and then there's like people like all from all over the world going around walking around you looking at you while you're like mashing out um but i i was like killing myself and because i was trying to prove myself you know right. and i was like i i was so appreciative of the time there and it was really special the first day that i was there they always do family lunch together right and the first day that I was there, um, at the end of it, everyone left except for John, John and I. And we were sitting at the table, and he said, you know, Matt, I get tons and tons of people that uh, ask to do what you do uh, through email, Facebook, in person. And I tell every single person, no. I have no idea why I said yes to you, but you're always welcome here. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, so that was pretty pretty amazing but yeah i learned so much in that in that time uh just in that two-week period more than i could have ever learned um unless i was to do the same with like jason at allagash or Vinny at russian river or right. something um, those are probably the next two closest things in america that i'd be able to learn that much from so um and i think honestly they potentially were in a in a um exploratory phase themselves at that point in time i think know? so too so, yeah around that time period. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's how that came about. And I ended up having, um, uh, two more one week, uh, apprenticeships with, uh, Jean at Kentian. Uh, one was in, uh, like January of 14, I think, uh, November of 14, right. um, when I was working at Hill Farmstead and then another one in, uh, December of 16, when I was actually, uh, I had to open the veil already. Wow. That's awesome, man. So you actually, yeah. so what happened like when you came back from this initial two week 
internship. I mean, the job obviously with um, the Alchemist was not there, but you were yep. able to get a job with Sean at Hale Farm. Yeah, Center? so I was working. Yeah, I so mean, I was working at uh... no big deal, right? Like, <laughs> holy shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of funny, actually. So when I came back, I went straight into let's go. It's ramp up time at the Alchemist. So right. I all automatically become the third shift brewer. The third shift brewer wasn't that bad, actually. You know, I came in at like 11, uh, started brewing at noon. Uh, I was out by 830 every day, you know, yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't like an overnight thing. Was um, it was this a the, spot in uh, Waterbury? Yes. OK. So, OK. Yeah, so this is the cannery right. that they make Hetty Topper at currently. Right. So, um, not the new Stowe location. Right. And the pub had already been flooded at that point. Oh, I actually yeah. never been to the pub. The pub when it was the Alchemist, it turned into Prohibition Pig. Right, right. Um, and I had, I'd frequent that a lot when I was there, but I'd never been to the Alchemist pub. But um, but yeah, so it was ramp up. So we started brewing, and I was like, hell yeah, like I'm gonna learn a lot about hoppy beer and you know Hetty Topper in general. And to be honest, I kind of found myself back in the same position that I was in um, working at uh, O'Connor. So we were making one beer. One beer. With one yeast. Yep. That's it. Uh, very simplistic recipe. Uh, John, or, uh, John is uh, he's huge into efficiencies and simplifying things, um, which is awesome. You know, and he makes it, uh, the process is super easy and the, and the brew day was super easy and convenient and efficient. Um, it was in and out. It was great. Um, but it was super simple. Everything was super simple. So, um, and he's, they're actually amazing employers and really care about their employees. Um, and they do everything they can to like have, they design the, the, their, their whole business basically to be, um, just to support quality of life right. for their team. So they did a really amazing job with that. And, um, so I, so, you know, it was just great. I would work Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday. And then every third Friday, I would, uh, have to come in and just dry hop a few beers and, you know, check some gravities and stuff. It was wow. pretty easy. And then, but I was kind of spinning my wheels. So I wasn't learning anything. Right. I started asking some of the staff members there, um, you know, Hey, why do we do this? And what, how come we haven't tried this? And has, has anybody ever thought about this? And, um, a lot of the staff were kind of trained to just brew and operate heady toppers. So there was not a ton of, um, knowledge available to me there either. There were some definitely knowledgeable folks there, um, more right. so about process. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not saying like nobody knew what they were doing there, <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't, I did not mean it like that, but, um, but yeah, so I just wasn't growing much. And, um, so what I would do, what I would do is, um, on my day off, somehow while I was there, I ended up meeting Sean Hill at like, uh, it was Oxbow. It was like Oxbow coming to Maine or something like that. So the Oxbow did this tap takeover in, uh, in Montpelier, um, yep. a, a famous beer bar there. And, um, we, I, I had known the Oxbow guys because I'd met them through, um, working at Portsmouth Brewery, we did like a field trip up there and it nice. was awesome. You know, it was cool yeah. to see like the young, young bucks starting like a, a farmhouse brewery in the middle of nowhere in Maine, you know? Oh yeah. So, uh, so I went to go hang out with them at the, at their welcome to Maine event and Sean was there. And then I ended up meeting Sean and he was like, Oh yeah, you're the kid who went to Canteon, right? And I was <laughs> like, yeah. 
And then I was like, I'd love to come up and check out the brewery. I hadn't been to Hill Farm set at that time. And he was like, he was like, yeah, sure. I'm there all the time. Come back. If you want. <laughs> right. And I was like, all right, sounds good. So uh, yeah. I, I went by one day and then he ended up, you know, he was super busy. It was just him and Dan at the time really doing anything with beer, Dan Suarez. Yep. So uh, I was like, you know, you don't have to stop what you're doing. You know, I just wanted to check out the brewery and try some beers. And he was like, okay, yeah. So he just did his thing and then he showed me around here and there. And then he like let me have some, like some samples of some things. He was super generous. And then I, I got his contact and then I started, um, I was like, Hey, you know, I don't really do much on Fridays, and, um, I really want to learn more about wild beer. And I know you guys do a lot of the mixed, mixed culture saisons and stuff like that. And, um, it'd be cool if I just come by and I'll help him scrub the floor, <laughs> clean the tank, wipe the walls down, take right. the trash out. Um, and he was like, he's like, yeah, I guess if you want to come by and hang out, that's cool. So uh, I started doing that. So every Friday I had off, I would treat it as a work day and I would go to Hill Farmstead and I'd work the full day and, um, I would help them bottle. I'd help them, you know, lug, lug kegs around. I'd help in the gift shop. I'd help do whatever they needed. Um, and I think I was, I was scrubbing the floors, wiping the tanks down just to learn and ask questions. I spent a lot of time with Dan Suarez at that time. Right. Um, who's an amazing brewer and just a genius as well. It's super funny. Um, has the voice of an angel too. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> no, I and, did not uh, know that one. <laughs> yeah, he can, he can. He's got some. Uh, he, he can belt it out for sure. Oh, nice. But uh, he's always singing and making like you know like improv songs, like joke songs about people and stuff. He's super. That's awesome, dude. You're listening to the Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield. Conversations on the business of brewing and popular culture. Matt Tarpey, thank you very much for joining us this morning. So, I mean, you know, a lot of guys just did homebrewed, open a brewery, but like this was like you had a tried and true path of how you got to where you were. I mean, obviously, at the time, like, you know, you're with Dan Suarez, an amazing brewer. You're with Sean, another amazing brewer. But then what, you're working there and you meet Dustin Durrance who would drive up yeah. Hill Farmstead for beer. <clears throat> I mean, neither of you really had any intentions on starting a brewery. How did the idea of opening a brewery come to fruition, you know, in Richmond? Yeah. So, uh, like I said before, I never, or like you all know, I never wanted to be a brewer at all. Uh, I kind of fell into it and fell in love with it, fell in love with the industry, the process, being able to create something, you know, it was amazing to be able to make a beer and then you go to a bar and you see, or a restaurant you see someone drinking your beer and smiling, right. you know, like, like that was just such an uh, amazing, fulfilling thing for me. Um, so I fell in love with the process. Then I started working for every type of brewery. You know, I worked for a production brewery, worked for brew pub, worked for small startups, worked for, you know, efficient machines, <laughs> you know, and right. I learned a lot about that too. And I saw every walk of life, people who've been brewing for 25 years, people with a dream that just wanted to start something, you know? And, uh, I saw the stress that went into owning a brewery, starting a brewery, um, just operating a brewery. Right. And I, I was like, I don't want to do that at all. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was actually, when I was working at Hill Farmstead. I was pretty content. You know, I was right. just, 
I wasn't even a brewer at Hill Farm said, you know, I was, I was technically Sean's assistant right. and uh, I never produced one drop of work while I worked there, but I did everything else. Um, I did every single thing else that you can do at Hill Farmstead besides produce work. Um, and, but yeah, so it was weird. Like, uh, I, Dustin might've had a dream to start a brewery. I don't really know, honestly. Um, so, but how I, and I didn't know Dustin at all. Um, it was a chance meeting that I even met D- Dustin. So I had known this guy, Dave Witte, who is a drummer for a metal band here in Richmond called Municipal Waste, okay. a pretty famous metal band. And um, he was his Instagram name is Stout Mania. Um, uh, so he's a big, big Stout fan. So uh, we were following each other on Instagram. And one day he reached out to me and was like, Hey, uh, you know, I always do like these big stout tastings and we're going to do uh, a, an actual Hill Farmstead stout tasting. I wanted to send you the list and see what you thought. So he sent me the list and I was like, man, I got a lot of them, you know, but they were missing a bunch of them. And I, a beer trader, beer lover, <laughs> right. I always did bottle shares myself. I would always buy like four bottles of them, at, you know, and I would hold them. So I was like, hey, I got these bottles. I, I have some holes. And I have the bottles for the holes in your list, and I'm just going to send them to you. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. He was like, what do you want for them? I was like, nothing. Just send me a picture of all the bottles together. I want to see them because that would be like a cool shot. You know, I was always oh, that yeah. guy. Like, And then a week or two later, he was like, a buddy of mine, uh, Dustin, is coming up, and I'm going to have him drop some stuff off for you at the bottle shop because he was a big beer trader and big beer fan, too. He would, uh, you know sell our beer and uh, drive all over the country and buy a full allotments and share them with everyone locally and right. all that kind of stuff, which is awesome. So one day, you know, I was just kind of kicking rock, <laughs> walking towards the walking towards the gift shop from the seller. And I opened the door to go into the gift shop. It was before we were, we were open. So there was just a line of people there, you know? So I went to open the door and I was about to walk in. And then I heard behind me, does anybody know a guy named Matt Tarpy? And then, like, somebody was just in line, said that to someone else. And I turned around, and I was like, I'm Matt Tarpy. And then he was like, oh, yeah, I'm Dustin. I'm uh, Dave's friend. And I was like, oh, cool. So uh, I was like, he was like, here's the bag for stuff that Dave wanted to give you. And I said, like, oh, thank you. I was like, what are you doing? Are you, like, here by yourself? He's like, yeah, I drove up from Virginia by myself. And uh, he's like, I'm just here to buy some beer. I think it was, like, around their anniversary or something. Oh, boy. Yeah, so yeah. he was, like, in town for the festivities, you know, all the all the tap takeover right. that Sean was doing. And, um, yeah, so I uh, yeah, I was like, oh, well, let me show you around at least, you know. So I showed him around the brewery, and um, then he, he left, went back to Virginia. A week or two later, you know, he messaged me and was like, hey, I really appreciate what you did for me and, uh, and how you took care of me and, I wanted to send you some Virginia IPAs and let you, and just to get some feedback on what you think about them. I was like, okay. So uh, I was just like, yeah, they're okay. You know, it's not my vibe. And then uh, he was like, somebody should come to Virginia and, and make some really good IPAs. And I was like, haha, yeah, wouldn't that be funny? And then <laughs> basically, yeah. They just like, I'm not, uh, sounds good. Not me. I'm the wrong guy. <laughs> you know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to start a brewery. That sounds terrible. Oh, shit. So uh, <laughs> so he was persistent. You know, he kept telling me, hey, you ever want to start your own brewery? You ever want to start your own brewery? So um, I was like, maybe I should hit this guy up and see if he was being for real. So I called him and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm for real. I'm, I'm definitely for real. Uh, he was like, do you have any idea? Like, 
how much this is like going to cost or anything. And he's like, I don't know. But uh, I mean, probably a little bit over a million dollars. Oh, yeah. They're talking about a full build out here, you know, like from scratch. Like we could go with used equipment, but, uh, and it'd be probably 30, 40% cheaper. But, you know, I don't really want to be messing with, you know, all of a sudden the boiler goes down every five minutes right. and like all of this stuff. So if it would be much easier and less stressful for me if we could start fresh. Um, so, you know, I, that was the last thing I needed. Like all of a sudden you're going to start your own brewery and then all of a sudden now you're dealing with all these used equipment and all the exactly. issues behind that. Yep. So uh, I was trying to be like, all right, let's go. Like, let's see if we can get some new equipment here. And uh, so I gave him, you know, a loose number. And then he was like, all right, give me a few weeks and then, uh, well, we'll, we'll regroup and we'll talk about it. And I was like, okay. So he called me back like maybe a week and a half, two weeks later. And he was like, all right, sounds good. Um, we're fully funded. We're ready to go. Uh, let me know when you, when you want to move. (laughs) And I was like, dang, okay. Sounds good. So we started talking and, uh, he introduced me to my other business partner, our other business partner, Dave Michaelo. Um, and we became kind of the managers of the business. We had five uh, silent uh, investors at that time and still do. Um, and the, yeah, so between myself, Dave, and uh, Dustin, we started talking about this. So this was uh, late 2014, basically. Right. Um, and then, yeah, so we had to come up with a name. We tried to apply for, uh, trademark. We actually, we actually don't technically have the trademark on our name. So we have, uh, a, we've signed in a, a licensing, uh, agreement with Vail Vodka, who ah. actually technically has the license on Vail okay. for alcohol production. Okay. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so we have to go through that whole process. Do we change the name because we, we can't get the trademark, like all of this kind of stuff. There's a lot of legalities. We, you know, we're scouting for, for, uh, buildings. They were scouting for buildings cause I was in Vermont still. And, um, then, you know, started pricing equipment, started trying to work some connects for hops. Um, I'd never ordered hops. I'd never been a head brewer. Right. I'd never done any of that. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, to be honest, a little bit over my head. Um, and, uh, I was fortunate that my, my partners had trust in me. I don't know why they had trust in me, to be honest, because I was just like, Ugh, you know, yeah. and then, uh, so, but yeah, so we ended up and, uh, finding a location. I ended up moving down in May of 15. I put my notice in at Hope Farmstead in February or March, gave them like a three or four, no- three or three months notice or something like that. You know, I, know, I realized how small right. Sean's team is and how they operated and I wasn't going to leave them high and dry. Um, so I moved down there and we started on that. And it was pretty funny because this kind of all loops back to the beginning of what our conversation was. But uh, when I first moved down to Virginia, uh, Dustin was like, all right, awesome. So you're down in Virginia. So the guys, uh, you know, are really excited and they really want to know what you're going to make and all this stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're thinking maybe we can get you a homebrew set up and we can put it in one of our investors garage <laughs> and maybe we can like pilot some uh, batches right. and some recipes and stuff and see how it goes. And I'm just like, I don't know how to homebrew. Oh, <laughs> and, and I was like, I've never homebrewed in my life. And I promise you, if I start working on this homebrew system, it's not going to turn out the way you want it. 
and you're going to be disappointed. I think you just need to roll the dice here and trust me that I'll be able to get it done when the time comes. Oh yeah. Um, so I convinced them not to get a homebrew system, which could have been the end of the veil before it even started. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, to this point, I mean, you've had an incredible career in brewing, learning, you know, your craft from some of the best in the business. Now your name is on the beer, so to speak. When you guys opened your doors on April 16th, 2016, what was that feeling like? Just pure nerves. What's going to happen? You know, like, I mean, leading up to it, I was like going crazy. You know, I, so when we, I moved in May of 15, um, we didn't actually get, there was a lot of issues with the building. We had this one building, then that went to another building, and then we ended up landing on the third building, and uh, it was perfect. And, but we didn't get that building until August of, 15. So um, we were supposed to open in November of 15, right. but we all know how that goes. Oh, absolutely. So every time there's yes. a construction, every yeah. time there's a, a construction project, it's add six months and double the budget. Hell yeah. So uh, that's what it is. So that's what happened, truly. Um, so we didn't open until April, but I started brewing in March. Um, and the, the cold winter, the cold nights were, were closing, you know, oh, the windows there were right, closing. Right. So I, so the first batch of beer that I brewed at the Vale was a turbid mash spontaneous on a brand new system. Holy crap. Um, and it was with, uh, Eric from premier, uh, stainless. Yep. Um, so he had never brewed a turbid mash either. Oh, um, so he was trying to commission the brew house, teach me how to use it. But we both were trying to figure out how to do a turbid mash at the same time. <laughs> It was like, what are we doing here? It was crazy. <laughs> oh my but we were able to get it done and pumped it into the cool shit. And we had true spontaneous fermentation produced in Richmond, Virginia. So I cranked out three real quick. And then it was like, all right, well, now we got to start making some other beers in preparation for uh, our grand opening. So first beer, Imperial Stout, um, oh, Sleeping God. Forever, our anniversary Imperial Stout, double mash Imperial Stout. Um, I learned a lot of lessons through that process. I'd never done a double mash in my life oh my and I gosh. didn't know anybody who did it. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> I just had heard that's how you make thick stout. So I started doing that and I learned a lot. I learned, uh, I have never known what a stuck mash is more than I did from that process. Um, I learned what rice hulls were and oh, yeah. the beauty of rice hulls. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the first batch was an Imperial Stout Sleeping Forever. It was a like a 18-hour brew day or something Jesus. like that because it was just a mess. It's double mash, double stuck mash. That sounds like so, our first uh, uh, yeah, yeah. stout. That was, that was our first stout. <laughs> absolute, absolute nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Absolute nightmare. Yeah. It, it was terrible. Yeah. And then my partners were there, and they were excited. And they were, like, watching me, and I'm stressing and, like, what is going on, like trying to like do this. And I was like, yeah, just leave me alone. <laughs> like, so <laughs> I can, I can figure this out. So I don't look like an amateur right now. Oh, um, so anyway, so I did that. Then I started brewing hoppy beers. So I brewed uh, master shredder, like our train yep. or like kind of like our house flagship IPA yep. crucial top, our flagship double IPA. And then a one-off called dull things, which was an IPA with, um, uh galaxy and nelson and grapefruit juice Ooh. so those are the four beers that we released on our grand opening Damn. now i went back and brewed a couple more um i went and brewed a couple more uh batches of spontaneous before the cold ended too 
um, the cold season ended. But yeah, it was very stressful. Um, again, so all of those recipes were the first recipes that I had ever written in my life. Um, wow. And I first time I had brewed on, on that system. Um, and at that time, I was also the only person in production. So I was working uh, 16, 17 hour days, seven days a week um, for the first three months or so doing everything. Wow. Um, Dustin and some of my business partners would help me mill in a little bit, right. help me wash some kegs every once in a while, but I did everything else. I'd brewed, I'd see it be the brew house, all the transfers, yeast management, dry hops, all that stuff by myself. Yeah. Um, kegging, um, had a little bit of help. We had a mobile canning line come in and, um, uh, we had some volunteers that were helping just snap them four packs on, um, but pack techs and, uh, building pallets. And then, yeah, so grand open comes and we didn't know what we were doing. You know, that we barely had it was like ten staff members in oh the, like gosh. total. Like so uh when we opened our door, there was a line about ten and a half blocks long. Oh my gosh. Um so there was and we were just like, What is gonna happen here? <laughs> we just like we were just didn't know what we were doing. There was four beers. We only had four beers available, IPA, double IPA, grapefruit IPA, Imperial Stout. And uh, we just went for it. And it was chaos and madness and incredible. Um, and there was so much positive feedback and everyone had a wonderful time and people That's were awesome. just loving the beers. And yeah. And then we only had those four beers. Like, um, actually, I kind of, originally I was adopting a, uh, I wanted to adopt kind of like a Hill Farmstead Alchemist model. Um, so my mindset was that we were going to brew Master Shredder Crucial Pot every week. Right. Master Shredder Crucial Pot, Master Shredder Crucial Pot. And then we were going to have this extra tank that we were going to just throw something in there. It was going to be a Hoppy Pilsner, uh, Chocolate Milk Stout, and then randomly something else. That was the, that was, that was the plan. Um, so we started brewing Master Shredder, Master and Crucial Pot, and then we started brewing these new beers. Every time we brewed a new beer, it was crazy. Like there was a longer line. Right. And people are like super hyped and would buy it up. So then I was like, oh man, we got maybe we gotta start making more new beers, you know? And it got to a point where we were just like selling so much beer and we were doing so well and the and folks were just drinking it all that we actually had to close on a Saturday because we ran out of beer. Damn. Um and this was maybe about a month or month month or so in. Um, we had to close cause we were out of beer and we were supposed to open on Sunday, but we were going to close on Sunday, um, because we didn't have any beer. So I went in early and forced carved the, the next batch of crucial taunt and filled four half barrels of crucial taunt. We opened our doors with one double IPI. Wow. Um, and we went through three and a half of those four half barrels in like a five hour period. And then uh, I was able to like start it, start it back up the next week. But yeah, it was a whirlwind, you know, and I was like losing my mind. I was stressed out. I was out of it. I was delusional because I was just not getting sleep. Right. Um, I was killing myself, honestly. Um, And I got to a point three, like three months in where I was like basically dead. (laughs) And I was like, I couldn't move. I couldn't function. I couldn't think. And then I just literally just left everything and went to my business partner, Dave, who's in his office. And I said, I'm, I'm so dead right now. I'm going to just leave everything the way it is. It's fine. It'll be fine. I need, I need to go home right now. <laughs> went home and I slept for like 19 hours straight. Seriously, Holy not an exaggeration. 
And then on Monday, I was like, we're hiring someone, like right now. <laughs> like, we need to hire somebody. Oh, yeah. So we hired our next, our first uh, uh, production um, hire, Justin Anderson, who is currently is still with us, Vivelle, and he's the director of brewing operations. Wow. And he's really the, the big dog running the show these days. Nice. Um, so still, still heavily involved with production, and I still brew. Right. Um, I don't brew as much as I'd like, but I try my best to brew at least once a week. Nice. Um, sometimes that doesn't happen, but uh, I always want to brew forever. That's yeah. like what I want to do. I don't want to just sit, sit around in the office all the time. No, I feel you on that yeah. one, man. I feel you on that one. So, I mean, I-, I got one last question for you. I mean, it's been one hell of a journey, I mean, to get you to all this point and all the, the accolades you guys have received since 2016. I mean, you guys are one of the premier, if not the premier craft breweries in the country. I mean, you guys make amazing beers. um, And it's just, this journey has been crazy. I mean, it seemed like one great opportunity in your career led to another and ultimately to you guys starting the veil. If you had to kind of like short set it, what were the keys to your success in building such an amazing career in brand? Yeah. um, hmm, That's an interesting question. I would think that for me, um, perseverance, um, uh, and hunger and thirst for more knowledge and learning and understanding, um, styles, ingredients, um, just the way that different people brew, you know, um, I think that is, uh, what is super important, uh, for me and my, my path. Um, I understood be what, what worked, what didn't work, what, what was hype what wasn't hype. Right. Um, I was a part of that. I was a part of totally in that. I was a beer geek, beer trader. You know, I was wanting these beers from all over the country. I was trading whatever I could to get, you know, four packs of KBS for, you know, three bottles of Pliny. You right. know, like right. I wanted, I wanted the hoppiest beers I could get. I wanted the big imperial stouts. I wanted all the sour beers. I wanted lambic. I wanted everything. Um, so I, I understood what, what was working and what wasn't working in the craft beer. So, yeah, but I think like, uh, just the perseverance and never giving up and, uh, never, uh, being content, never yeah. being content with where you're at right. and, uh, just continuing to learn and grow and, uh, you know, push yourself. And honestly, well, I think everybody learns differently and I think different people um, find value in different things for sure, especially when they're trying to uh, learn more about a um, category or something in life. Um, I am, I'm a hands-on guy and I definitely am a, uh, I get much more from a conversation than I do reading a book. Right. Um, so there's a lot of technical stuff in books, which are great. And I think that's important too. Um, but for me, I think uh, the most important is is uh, intuition and experimentation and having fun with it too. Okay. Um, as corny as that sounds, no, you know, not, like not I corny I, at all, man. Yeah, and then I, but I was drinking like I was trying to get Hop Slam, and I was trying to trade for Pliny's. Oh yeah, one of my favorite beers at that time. You know, I was a huge Three Floyds fan, still am. Um, I you know I was Zombie huge dust. into. Uh, Zombie Dust. Zombie Dust was just dropping. I was obsessed with Zombie Dust. 
Dreadnought. I love Dreadnought. Oh, yeah. Um, I was a huge Half Acre fan, too. Still am. You know, I was Daisy Cutter. Daisy Cutter. That, that yep. iconic can was insane. Wow, well, you just two are just that. nerding out on beer right now. <laughs> so similar. Well, he, I was a beer advocate guy, and yeah. I traded. Yeah. I mean, I got a homebrew, yeah. but, you know, I volunteered at Cigar City, and then that's how I got into Cigar City and got my job, and then it's... I mean, it, there's it's some, very there, similar. It's very similar. I mean, he yeah. had, he actually has some great chops, yeah. way better than I do. But you know, I mean, I worked under Wayne Wambles, so that that in and in itself is you know its own story, you know. But anyways, yeah. but no, he's a he's a Florida legend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he's a legend for sure. Yes, Bruce Sox and um, Dude, this has been awesome. I want to say thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Matt. This is uh, this is thank probably one of the highlights, and uh, we got to get you down for Wake Fest. Yeah, man. we got to get you down here, man. Yeah. Is, when is it? When is it? February eleventh. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Should be able we'll, to. We'll shoot you a, and, a reminder uh, and an invite, so we'll get you down here, man. We got to get you down here one time, so. For sure, yeah, we should brew together. Too. Absolutely, yeah. that's been a Absolutely. long time coming. Yes. I know that has so. been. So we got to knock that out and. Uh, <laughs> This has been an absolute pleasure, man, yeah. and uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Matt. Thank you all. I appreciate it, and y'all have a great day. You, you too, too, man. That's it for this week. I'd like to thank our guests, Matt Tarpey, our co-host, Maria Cabre, our producer, Rocco Riggio, and our editor, Brian O'Connell. Thank you for listening. You can catch us each Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Business Radio 132 or anytime on the SiriusXM app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate the show and leave a review. Remember, people. The thirst is real.